Computer, initialize Holosuite. Space, the final frontier. Let's see what's out there. There are a million things in this universe you can have, and there are a million things you can't have. It's no fun facing that, but that's the way things are. You can deny me all you want. But you cannot deny Ben Sisko. Exist. Dismissed. Let's start with expression four. Get out. Welcome to episode 10 of Her First Trek, a Star Trek review podcast. I am not her. I am but Kyle. Kyle. In case I'm going to call I am, you but, but Kyle for But now. Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I use that name on particular websites and apps. Good I feel Lord. like it draws attention to me. Mm. Yes. So uh, you are her. You are... Katie. That makes me sound really important. You are super important, though. Aww. To me, you are. Aww. I'm such a sweetie, aren't I? Softy. Softy. Soft. Softy butt Kyle. Soft butt Kyle? Yeah. Okay. Soft butt Kyle. Lovely. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Don't you want a hard butt? Peachy butt. Peachy butt. That's definitely my name. Mm-hmm. Peachy butt. I feel like there's a new episode title right there. Peachy Pe- butt Kyle. Peachy butt Kyle, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... This is our 10th episode. Uh, we'll be talking about three episodes uh, on this show. We're doing DS9's Move Along Home, TOS's What Are Little Girls Made Of, and Voyager's Emanations. We did a lot of TNGs last week, or last episode, so uh, we're not going to be doing any TNG this week, but TNG will be back with a vengeance in two weeks' time. Or in one week for our patrons. Katie, so we are getting married in less than two months. Yeah. And I think on our latest Blast Shield, we said we we're going to have the Picard music. But it turns out because of the kind of wedding we're going for, which is a very small sort of registry office kind of thing, it's like 10 guests, we are unable to choose our own music. We're allowed to pick from a selection, but not our own. So Picard music is out. Gutted. I know. So am I. I thought Trek was going to represent. But there's still hope. I still have my Trek cufflinks. And if need be, I'm going to wear my Star Trek com badge underneath my jacket. If I'm wearing a jacket, I mean, it's going to be like middle of June. So yeah, but we are in Cardiff, hot. so... True, it's probably going to be raining with... Hailstones. Gale, yeah, some gale force winds, everything. They match my dress. <laughs> Ooh. Pretty. Katie, how are you? How have you been? I haven't seen much of you today. No, we've had a very busy day. I'm yeah. well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm injured. You know, uh, well, you know this. Listeners don't know this. But uh, I have either probably strained ligaments in the back of my right knee or torn some cartilage. They're not sure. It looked like we were going, we were leaning into the cartilage thing, but after a doctor's check, we may now be looking actually at ligament damage, which they originally ruled out because they said that typically that comes from like an impact, like a a tackle in football or something, an impact injury. Whereas my injury came from trying to stand up from a squatting position. Mm. So uh, I would have failed my Starfleet medical if I was, you know, going to sign up. But yeah, that, that's my uh, that's my update, really. There's not much still going on. We're still in various stages of lockdown. And you're looking very summery, though. It's really nice today. It's quite um, it's quite nice outside. So I'm rocking the sandals. You are. So we're now in double figures in her first track episodes. Wow. Does that excite you? Yes. Combine that with the blast shields we've done, and you're sitting on about 24 or 25 podcasts. I'm now a podcaster. You are. You, you've it's done, official. Yeah, you've done almost a quarter of a century, a quarter of a hundred. What? You've done 25 Star Trek podcasts. Oh. Yay! Yeah, I got there. I got there in the end. Well done. 
Uh, I'm going to ask you this straight up before we do get into all the business of this week, but which one's your favourite Trek show thus far? Oh, doubt now. now. So we're about eight to nine episodes into all the shows. Um, It's been a wild ride, to been be a long fair. Road. It's been a long road. There's been highs and lows, you know? I think for consistency, it's probably Voyager. Ooh. But I I am partial to a bit of TNG, you know. You like a bit of JL. I do. I do. If you can just like pick up... Oh, no, that's not true. I wouldn't say I'd pick him out and stick him on Voyager. Maybe I'd pick up... Who would you pick up? Oh. The mixed crew then between Voyager and TNG. How many have I got? Huh? How many have I got? I can't uh, have two captains, can I? No, you can't. That's a pain, because that's the only thing I really want to mash up. You could demote one of them. Never. Blasphemy. Okay. I would like to see Janeway and Picard. I'd also kind of like to see a face-off between those two, because I just don't know who would win. Because Janeway is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. But so is Picard when he gets going. But yeah, he makes me laugh. But Riker, I want Riker still. Instead of Chakotay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You you just haven't decided on a captain. You just... No, 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 I just, I've got both. Yeah, no, I know. You can't have both two captains. Oh, what, one's day sake. shift and one's night shift. All right. Okay, you're promoting one of them to admiral on your ship. So one of them just uses the ship when need be. That's going to be Picard, isn't it? Okay, Let's face it. So admiral Picard. Yeah. Captain Janeway. Yeah. Riker. As your number officer. one. Okay. Who's your tactical officer? Tuvok or Tasha Yar? Oh, man. Oof. Tasha. Okay, so Tasha had a Tuvok. We don't really like Tuvok on this show. No, I'm not fussed right now. Uh, who's flying your ship? Is it... Well, it changes on TNG. You've got a Wesley and a LaForge combo, or you have Tom Paris. Oh, I don't feel like I've had enough of Tom Paris. What do you mean you haven't had enough of I Tom mean, Paris? No, I mean, like, I remember I said to you, I, I imagined that he'd have a bigger role on the yeah, show, given yeah. his first episode. So I want to, I want to give him more... Screen time. Yeah. But I do really like Wesley. I think he gets a hard time. All right. What about your operations officer? We're going to have to really go with... This is actually Kim against Data, I think. Oh, the there is head. really no comparison there. Oh, no, I bless him. I do like Harry Kim. Yeah. So that's not me saying... You said he fancied him before. He may well be on my Star Trek list. There's a Star Trek list? Yeah, doesn't everyone have one? A Star Trek list. Mm, That's a good question for our listeners. Let us know your Star Trek sex list. Just in case you don't know the rules, you get five. Yeah. And once you laminate it, then it's final. Yeah, I refuse to laminate my lists. (laughs) No, I know. This is my policy. It's ever-changing, crossed out. Yeah, let's hear your your Trek five. What we're going to do on our after show then, we're going to get you to choose your current Trek five. All right. Okay, but I want to finish your crew. Who are you picking then? I'm picking Data. Data. After Data, what other roles we've got on the ship? Chief Engineer. Oh, well, TNG doesn't really have one right now. So a rotating, changing chief engineer of the week or Belana Torres? I'll have Belana. Okay, so we have Belana. Better the devil you know. Yeah, no surprises then each week. And then for the chief medical officer, are you going with EMH, the doctor, or are you going for Dr. Beverly Crusher? Now. Oh, now. Well, I can't have Crusher without Wesley, can I? And Wesley's not there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send Beverly off on a well-needed holiday and I'm going to let her meet a nice man. Okay. Because let's face it, there's some sexual frustration there. Her and Wesley are off having a nice time and I'm going to keep the EMH. Okay, so Beverly's on Riser and the EMH is the doctor. Okay, so your crew then of your two current favourite track shows is Jean-Luc has been promoted to Admiral Mm -hmm. and he uses the ship when he needs to. Janeway is the captain with Will Riker. 
it as a as number one. As That's an interesting pairing. Well, Riker and Janeway. Janeway, mm. yeah. And then we got Tasha Yar on Tactical. I guess we've got Worf floating around because that's what he does on And TNG. yeah, can I also have um, Deanna? Oh, you want a ship's counsellor? Yeah. Okay, so that would have either been Neelix or oh, well, Deanna. Yeah, I'll go with Deanna, please. <laughs> so she's like the chief morale officer, like Neelix. And then we've got Tom Paris flying the ship, date their own science slash operations, Planetaurus in the engine room, and then the EMH is the doctor. It's nice. It's a good mix. It's a good combo there. This may not make much sense to you now. A young man at the beginning of his career. But one of the things you learn as you move up the ranks and get a little older is that... You wish you had more time in your youth to really absorb all the things that happen to you. It goes by so fast. It's so easy to become jaded. To treat the extraordinary like just another day at the office. But sometimes... There are experiences which transcend all that. You've just had one, Mr. Kim. And I want you to live with it for a little while. Write about it if you feel like it. Paint. Express yourself in some fashion. The bridge will still be there in two days. Let's talk about Voyager, episode... I think it's episode eight of season one, Emanations. I don't even know what that word means. No, neither do I. Clearly something to do with afterlife, layers of life. Levels. Levels. Level up. Level up, yeah. If you hear any banging, it is our cat attacking the door. He goes outside now, a little bit. You wouldn't think it. Still shits in the litter tray, but because he hates me, I think. That's, yeah, that's just that's just for you. Yeah. He loves me, though. He actually really does love you. He likes um, being my scarf, like <laughs> comes around my neck. and. He could just be like trying to end you. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> You can hear him meowing. I can hear him meowing as well. Uh, he, he's with our son, don't worry. He's not just been abandoned. Yes, emanations. Uh, do you want to tell us what happens in this episode? Yes. Um, the Voyager lot go down to an asteroid, and when they're down there, they find all these bodies covered in spider webs. And they're like, ew, what's this? And then Chakotay is very, like, starfly about it, and he's like, we should not tricorder them or do anything. Just We should just look at them because we don't want to disturb the dead. And it's like... Yeah, thanks. So then stuff starts shaking. There's like an earthquake and they're like, emergency, beam me out of here. And only the two of them make it back. Harry Kim has disappeared. But instead of Harry Kim, they do have a nice juicy spiderweb body. Yeah. Um, yeah juicy? I, mm, mm. I say juicy because she's still alive oh, in there. Okay. So they take her back. Well, and she they... just died. Really? Yeah, she just died. But, oh. they were, but it was like, they think it was moments before. So they still oh, had like a okay. brain pattern or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, she had some like back. electrical pulses. So mm. they take her to sick bay and she had a tumour. So they just like suck that out and they're like, hey, welcome <laughs> back. Yeah. And she's like, what the hell am I doing here? So they, they, yeah. And then it turns out that Harry Kim has gone to wherever she came from, which is some planet. She's supposed to have gone to the afterlife. But she obviously didn't quite make it there. That we think. That we know of. Well, not yet, anyway. Or is Harry arriving back inside the box thing, whatever the name was for it, that she was sent in, obviously has the risk of unraveling the entire society mm. of that Yeah, because they're like, who are you? And he's like, um, I'm, hi, I'm Harry Kim. And they were like, no, he came from the next emanation. So they do a bunch of tests on him. They're kind of mean to him. And in the meantime, there's some guy who... I mean, his family nominated him to go through this process, to die and go to the next life, because he was an inconvenience. Yeah, and he just had a bad leg, so he could still move around. Yeah. 
With a struggle, but he could I, move around. I imagine he, like, toilets by himself and feeds yeah. himself and... Appears to be able to dress himself. Like, we can talk to him. Yeah. He's got decent convo, you know? But it was just it was too, too much, much for his it wife. too much for his wife, who wanted a fully functional partner, I guess. Get yourself an android, love. Yeah. Which we'll talk... About. He looked like he was functional in that way. Just an inconvenience for his family, so they've got him to say, well, to die... Because what I gathered about this alien society was that if you just got diagnosed with anything that you couldn't recover from, even if it would take a long time, you could just have yourself killed. Pop yourself in a little cenotaph thing. It's like euthanasia in a way, isn't it? I guess. Kind of. But they were like happy to do it because it was an honour. And they were excited to go to the afterlife and see the people that... They lost. Yeah. Mm. A Voyager found over 200,000 of those bodies. Mm. Uh, in the asteroids and uh yeah just sort of finish off the episode plot uh this guy who harry met decided he was still going to go through with it even though harry had, you know explained to him what he'd seen on the other side but harry makes a deal with him that this guy can go and escape and live with his friends in the mountains and harry will pose as him and wrap himself up in all this he's like a mummy yeah so they don't know that it's harry, harry. so harry has himself put in the thing which kills him mm. sends him to the afterlife slash Voyager, and uh, they, they revive him, him there. And, and he looks it. genuinely traumatised yeah, yeah. And then when he returns. Jane had a nice moment with him at the end, uh, telling him that, you know, she's given two days off, and, you know, she pointed out to him that, you know, you just keep working and keep doing these things, eventually become desensitised to what goes on out there in space, and sometimes you need to take a moment to stop and think about the experiences you have in. And I thought that was a really touching moment, from uh, from Janeway. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, what do you think of this episode then? I thought it was really good. You did like this. It was you? really interesting. Like, they had a whole cultural thing, which, and Harry dealt with that really well. Mm. Like, he wasn't going to so. give them any answers because he was like, I, I don't know. And he thought he doesn't want to unravel everything that they believe in. Yeah, he was um, very Starfleet in this because he knew what he knew about what he'd seen on the asteroid, mm. which was that these dead bodies decomposing, essentially. And... He did tell them that at the start, but he also made it very clear that, for all he knows, he could be in their afterlife. Their afterlife could be our reality. Mm. And that was like, my mind was about to explode. I was trying to think about it. I was like, I didn't even thought about that. Like, our existence right now, people say, like, this is the afterlife. We might already be in the afterlife. And some people say, well, that can't be true because, you know, cruel things still happen in our lives. But for some creatures this could be the afterlife mm. do you know there could be many cats dogs this could be their afterlife this could be like level two yeah the, the next emanation mm. i wonder how many levels there are oh god if it's like pokemon harrison we've got to level 100 yeah yeah um yeah it was a good episode yeah i did like that harry just didn't stumble over their beliefs mm. realistically he should have got quite frustrated yeah that they weren't allowing him to find a way back he had an idea of how to get back he knew that that he knew how to get back to voyager and he's doing that thing but he took a gamble no because he mm. knew he was going to die this machine was going to kill him and he was banking on voyager picking up his arrival to then sort of revive him really quickly before any damage was done to his brain and things which was actually a really close call because they were about to leave yeah they were what seconds she was like bring us about tom paris and then and go probably less than 10 seconds away from mm. Warping away. That was a near miss. Like he would have just been on the asteroid and he would have been mm. dead. Which kind of happened to the woman who 
they revived on the ship. Yeah, she was she was trying to help the situation, and then they tried to beam her back to her planet, and then she just and came failed. back and yeah, it killed her. Mm. Uh, which, as they said, though, kind of was what she'd wanted. Mm. So they put her back. I mean, did you think this was going to be a Chakotay episode at first? No. No, I no. thought it was going to be a Chakotay one. I didn't really know what I thought. Because I didn't know. you know when he was getting really sensitive about the mm. uh, if you want to call it a tomb, we'll call it a tomb right now, I guess the asteroid anyway. And he was very clear about, no, we're not just doing tricorder scans of the bodies. Use your eyes. Because he even kind of like very delicately, after Janeway had said like, you know, no touching and stuff, just do everything with uh, non-invasive tricorder scans. And even Chakotay was like, no, I suggest that we don't do anything that disturbs this. And I guess that goes back to Chakotay's faith. I don't even think that's Starfleet. I think that's, Mm. he went the extra mile, which was the correct extra oh, mile. Yeah, I think but so. But I think that's to do with his own beliefs rather than anything else. And mm. at that point, I thought we were going to get a Chakotay episode. So when they got beamed back to the ship, and it was just him and uh, Balana and the body, I had to do double take that it was Chakotay there because I thought that... I liked it though because I, I, I love Harry Kim. Do you? I do. You're a big fan of Harry. Yeah. I, I really like him. I think he's really... Um, I think he's really precious. He is. I think that's why Janeway was so sad about when she thought he died in the first episode. Mm. You know, when she was like, Talking about his mum and she's spoken to his mum and stuff. Harry Kim is precious. So any favourite parts out of this this episode? I like the scene between the guy who was getting ready for his Hmm. emanation or whatever, or transference with Harry. When he's wrapping himself up. Yeah. I I find it really interesting when they go down to planets and they they see all the cultures. Because I'm like that with Earth anyway. Like I love I love hearing about like traditions and things. Um and it was nice. I thought the way that they came up with a way to save the guy without ruining their whole culture and then also saving Harry as well was quite smart. Mm. Still think it's really shitty that his wife was just like, you're a burden. <laughs> Get out of here. So he couldn't be like, guys, I actually feel much better. Yeah. They could have also... What do you mean you're having second thoughts? Yeah. Jeez. I've already, she, got, I've already was... got my new man to move in. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was really pushy in the first bit when he was like, oh, I feel a bit... And she's like, no, you're fine. She's just like, she was really cool. But when she said it in the start, um, oh, thank you for doing this for your family. I thought it was like, you know, kind of like on Discovery when the Saru people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they they go for their cull or whatever it is because it's like a, an maybe illness or, yeah, yeah, or like a, maybe like a sacrificial thing. I thought it was like mm. someone from your family has to do it. So thank you for making the sacrifice. But she was so cold when she was saying bye to him. It was yeah. just like... Okay, see you later. She was the villain of this episode, really. Yeah. If you look deep, yeah. she was a real, yeah. real nasty woman. I feel like we need to bring to everyone's attention the noses. Yeah, the noses stressed me out when I saw them. Because I just imagined a bit of cold weather, a runny nose, and then you're oh. trying, to, trying to sort of wipe your nose with tissue paper. But you've got these like two, what, what would you call them? Like, it was basically little, four nostrils, wasn't it? Well, not, not. It was like two nostrils, but it had the like little... Ridge ridges underneath them so that if you had a runny nose it'd get into it all and i just imagine if you, kept, if you had to kept having to wipe your nose because it was you had a runny nose imagine how sore you're gonna get there trying to just get into those little grooves and mm. grim also grim. imagine if you're like you've met the love of your life on that planet going oh. in for your first snog oh yeah there's so much nose on that and you face. accidentally hit their their bit of yeah mm. Ugh, grim so this is a good one though, Voyager's cracking I on I really too. enjoyed it. It had all of the things that I love in a Star Trek episode, you know? I can't do it! I beg of you, 
A terrible mistake has been made. This is all a misunderstanding. Please. I, I've learned my lesson. I'll never cheat again. I'll never cheat again. Please. Just don't make me do this. Anything but this. Please. 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 Okay, Katie, we're going to talk about a track classic now. DS9's, really? yeah. I say classic. A classic for probably all the wrong reasons. It is Deep Space Nine's season one episode, Move Along Home. Would you like to give us a rundown of the plot as quickly as humanly possible with this one, please? Sure. Some new species have come from the Gamma Quadrant and Cisco has got to do the whole first contact thing. So they're dressing up all nice. And it turns out that these people really like games. So they go to Quark's and they have a little gamble and then Quark cheats from whatever game they're supposed to be playing and they notice. So they initiate their own game from from their culture. And the game involves sucking four of the main officers into a game where Quark plays like a board game on the outside, but they're faced with like real life challenges on the inside. He doesn't know this to start off with, but then Odo kind of figures it out with him and... They have to overcome some challenges and get out of the game. Yeah, and there was skipping, there was singing, there was a fall off a cliff edge, an epic tale of... Having to take an antidote of something to stop themselves from being gassed alive. Yeah. I took from that message that if you feel like you're dying and down... Have a drink. Have a drink of alcohol and you'll feel better. (laughs) That's what I took from it. Yeah. I mean, I don't drink alcohol, so I I completely disagree with that message. Uh, Yeah. So this episode, you're ranking up there with one of your favorite episodes of Star Trek so far? Oh, absolutely. It was... What's the word? I think the word I'm looking for is diabolical, but I don't think that's harsh enough. (laughs) Wow. So uh, we watched this one in bed. Got you to come up. We thought we'd watch a little episode of Star Trek for going to sleep. And then I suspected as it started that this could be... The one with the games, I wasn't sure. But then as it went on, I was like, oh no. Oh no. But I enjoy watching these ones with you. It's fun. Why? Because you like hearing my rolling criticism. Well, we both can enjoy the silliness of it together. Oh. I love that you were about to fall asleep and you're like, I don't think I'll be able to finish this one. I'll have to watch the rest tomorrow. And I, and I checked and I was like, you have three minutes and 20 seconds left. A minute of that is credits. You can do this. And you're like, oh God. It was such a challenge to keep my eyes open. Yeah. It really, really was. This, there was no inclination to find out what happened. This was probably, yeah. well, it was the worst episode of DS9 thus far. Mm. I don't want to even say that it was bad, but it just was in no way, any possible way, good. So I guess it kind of probably was bad. I feel like the premise of it is fine. The premise is fine. The execution is diabolical. Yeah. I don't like Quark anyway, so to have him be the main focus of an episode is a bit like, eh. I really would love to just try and think about something really positive. I've got one. Okay. I've got a favourite scene. Okay. Was it the credits? <laughs> yes, as soon as the, uh, they went to the outside shot of DS9 and credits mm. rolled. No, it was the I think it was the opening scene with Cisco and Jake. And Cisco oh, realised he yeah. needed to start telling Jake about, like, women. And he's like, it's cool. I've got all the advice I need from Nog. And you could see Cisco, like, right, I'm going to spend a lot of time undoing whatever damage Nog has done. So we're going to do this tomorrow morning. That was good. You liked that? Uh, yeah, I laughed at it because it was just, just it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it's it going to be us one day with our kids. viewing. 
Yeah, I know, but I know. I feel like we have an open and honest relationship with our kids, and I don't think age. we'll struggle. It just was so uncomfortable. Maybe for Jake. I, I thought Cisco was pretty cool about it. You compare it to the Charlie X chat where Kirk was trying to have a similar conversation with Charlie, and Kirk was so you No, know, I don't think Kirk is the right person to give that talk to anybody. <laughs> no. Cisco's quite a respectful man. So I like that scene. I feel like that scene gave some false impressions of what was to come. It set me up for what could be a fun episode, and instead we got dancing and singing. Do you know what actually was so bad about this? You talked about, like, good story or good idea, but diabolical execution. The direction of it was awful. Like, the way it was shot did not protect the actors at all. You know the bit where they're skipping? It just made them look silly. it just made them look really... It was almost like it was making fun of itself, but it Mm. wasn't. The thing I disliked about it probably the most was that main guy from the The other... He was just bad. Yeah. I don't know whether he was told to behave the way that he was. Like, I know it was like, ooh, be evasive. But don't act like you don't know what's going on either. Yeah, he felt a bit like a Stargate villain in the early days, Mm. actually. A bit cheesy, a bit wooden. Super cheesy. Yeah. What about the idea of the game then? That people get sucked in and you play it on the outside. I mean, sure. But then at the end, he was like, huh, they were never in any danger. And it was like, oh, right. Why were we? Worrying about it. I I wasn't worried. Do you know what? We were watching it and I thought, if one of them falls off a cliff, that's probably going to be the most exciting thing that happens. What about that bit? That was nice. So only one was meant to be sacrificed, Mm. but Cisco refused to leave anyone behind. Mm. And it did ultimately cost all three of them their lives, so to speak. No, what actually happened is that they managed to get out of the game. (laughs) True. If they'd realised, they could have just let themselves... I would have jumped off a cliff in the first five minutes if I'd known that. Yeah, I think the skipping bit would have been the bit where I was like, no, this is just taking the mission Let's just run repeatedly into this ion field, which is what the episode felt like to me. (laughs) Run into an ion field. Running repeatedly into an ion field. You're actually stuck in it. You're not going to fly, you get on an electric fly killer and you just hear the long... Frying. And you you look and you see there's actual proper smoke coming off it. Yeah, that was me last night. (laughs) You must have found one bit you enjoyed about this episode. Um, I enjoyed the bit where Jadzia said to Cisco... If you were injured, I'd leave you behind. I was like, I'd leave all of you behind. Brutal. Like, every one of you. Cisco. Actually, not Jadzia. She's the only one I wouldn't leave behind. Yeah, Cisco was like, uh, it's a good job that I'm not the injured one. Then. Yeah. But actually, if she'd done that, the game would have had to carry on. Mm. With actually no stakes, though. No stakes. No danger. I'm trying to work out how the game works, because Quark wasn't in control of it. I don't all think he did it had was, any rules. He rolled the dice to create a situation. It was up to the people inside to overcome the situation. So mm. Quark wasn't in control of any of it. And where physically were they? That's the question. Why was that like guy another occasionally in it? Was it him? Why have they trapped a little girl in there? Yeah. There's just so many concerning issues. Maybe his people can connect to it in some way. It's like, in a, like another dimension thing. The best thing about that was that little girl... Because she acted really well when they were trying to be like, hey, where are we? What's going on? She she ignored them, and I'm, I'm proud of her I know, her for that. but I, that gave me a little bit of, like, I was getting PTSD from our own children. Oh. She just kept repeating the same thing over mm. and over, ignoring any questions. And I was like, oh, God damn it, the kids are meant to be asleep right now. I know. They were supposed to be a relaxing experience. And sometimes when you don't really, when you're not really enjoying a TV show, it can be relaxing because you can kind of switch off from it and you can go into your own head and just yeah. enjoy it. But I was... I couldn't get out of it. It was like I was stuck in, in, in the, the game. game. <laughs> so this one does not rate highly for you. Is there a rating of this was a dive? No, because I try to stay relatively positive in all assessments of things. So this It wasn't great. It wasn't great. That's right. That is actually our one I out know. of five rating, yeah. And not a good one for move along home. 
Hopefully it'll pick up next time, although that episode's called The Nagus, so it's a, a Quark episode. It's wonderful. Yeah, as you were talking about not liking Quark, I was like, oh no. I'm like Dr. Brown, an android. Didn't you know? Remarkable, isn't she? Notice the, the lifelike pigmentation, the variation in skin tones. The flesh, the flesh has warmth. There's even a pulse, a physical sensation. How convenient. Christine, you must realize it. An android is like a computer. It does only what I program. As a trained scientist yourself, you must realize that given a mechanical Dr. Brown, then a mechanical geisha would be no more difficult. You think I could love a machine? Did you? Andrea is incapable of that. She simply obeys orders. She has no meaning for me. There's no emotional bond. Now, the last TOS we spoke about was, I think it was the Harry Mudd one, Mudd's Women. Mm. And we didn't think that was particularly great and we'd also like you know spoken about how tos's portrayal of women and things was not enjoyable for you especially right now and i was feeling a bit uncomfortable as well with with a lot of it so the next episode that we had to watch which we're discussing now <laughs> was called what a little girl's made of <laughs> and as I soon remember, as the titles flashed up when the title like, flashed up because mm. i saw the ship and i went wow that's a really nice shot and i was referring to the ship and you just went Oh, Jesus. I'm thinking, God, she really criticizing me, complimenting that shot. And I realized it was because the name had come up and you were like, oh, my God, what is this even about? Uh, you know, it did worry me. But the name had like nothing to do nothing. with... Nothing. I wonder if it's like a, if it's a nod to something I'm just not aware of. Well, it's like a nursery rhyme, isn't it? Is it? What are little girls made of? I can't remember what they're made of, but boys are apparently made of slugs and snails and puppy dog tails. Sugar and spice and all things nice is what girls are made of. Ah. But again, nothing to do with the episode. No. Unless they're talking about like how you make an android. Yeah, I assume that's what it was but to do with. They didn't use any of those ingredients, so. It made, when I realized it's androids, I thought we were going to meet a load of like little androids. Like yeah, children. I assumed there would be children androids. Mm. But okay. Hit me up with the plot of this episode, Kate. Okay. Kirk and Gene Roddenberry's wife, Christine is her name in this. In this chapel. They are like flying through space and they're looking for some guy called Roger, who's apparently a super famous doctor. Everyone knows about him. He's really famous. And um, she was engaged to him, but he's been missing for a while and they haven't heard of from him for like five years. So they go to wherever he is and they get a transmission from him. They're like, oh my God, he's alive. And then her and Kirk, because only two people are allowed to go down there. Well, you only had one, if you remember. Yeah. Just wanted Kirk, which is nuts. Yeah. Then, yeah, well, obviously the captain's going to go down because why not send your most important person (laughs) and your lead like medical staff member? So they go down and they meet him. And in the meantime, two red shirts also go down like shortly after, but they both, Bite the dust. Our first red shirt deaths, I think. A red shirt. I feel like this is the, the first time someone in the red shirts have died. Yeah. Like they were screwed the moment they went down there. And as I said to you when it was Aaron, I felt really sad because one guy was like grey haired. Now either he'd just become a red shirt, like just gone security mm. and he screwed himself, or he's done remarkably well throughout his career to keep that shirt and not get killed and then goes on a mission with Kirk <laughs> and boom, that's it. I think he was the one who got pushed off a cliff edge. Yeah. Into a bottomless pit we found yeah. out. Bottomless? Imagine falling for forever. Which, well, I mean, that wouldn't theoretically work. No. Even if there was no core on the planet, you would eventually drop to the other side. 
I wonder how long it would take. What if gravity <laughs> keeps... You in the middle? No, no, I meant like you fall... Th- oh, you know, I guess you couldn't fall through and then go back and then no, fall through. you'd fall through. And as, about, as, as you're about to carry on going, once you got to the middle point, it would just suck you back to the middle bit. Mm. And you would just be in a constant little up and down just in the middle of the planet. Oh, God, that's got to be so frustrating. Yeah, you'd be like, damn it, I'm still alive. I could have got out of this situation somehow. But now mm. I'm, gravity has got me stuck in the middle of this planet. You'd just be so hungry, feeling really sick. Uh, so it was another creature that killed him, though. Like an alien guy. Yeah. Looked like an alien. But he, as we find out, was an android. Because the people who lived on that planet originally created created androids, androids, but then the androids like sort of took over. Yeah, we didn't know this right away, did we? We were led to believe this one, the one who killed the red shirt, was the last machine left behind to look after all the Mm. things. And we never really dwelled on that thought, but then uh, Nurse Chapel's ex-fiancé or fiancé, whatever he was, had made an android of his colleague... No one ever really asked what happened to the colleague prior to no. that, did they? But you know, just assume he died. And a girl. Remember a the girl? really good-looking girl. Really good-looking girl. You know, wonderful outfit on her. Andrea. Was that her name? Yeah. Andrea. Christina's like, Roger never mentioned an Andrea. I mean, I'd be mad. I do love as well, even when he's like, I probably should explain it. And she's like, you probably should. Yeah, it was really, you know? it was really biting. Like, her sarcasm was so good. But he was adamant she couldn't experience love and that she could kiss Kirk and slap Kirk and, it, and not bat an eyelid. It would mean nothing. Just follows instructions. We kind of find out, though, that he lied later on. Because when Kirk tried to kiss her in a weird forced mm. kiss, again, thanks to US, uh, in a weird forced kiss on her, which almost derailed the episode for me again. And then I realised what he's doing after it. But she's like, no, I can't love you. I'm not programmed I'm, for this. Yeah, I'm not programmed to love you, I think she said. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was like, ah, so she was programmed to feel for... But the, it was so funny, though, because it was almost like... The, the idea of the episode is really good. And then the whole thing was like, basically, Kirk can derail anything, whether it's programmed to love you or something else. One kiss from Kirk and you are his. Yeah. They made and a double I was a bit of like, Made a double of him. Yeah. Sent him back to the ship, which wasn't the guy's original plan. No. He just did it when Kirk was refusing to work. Now, Kirk, I couldn't understand this bit. So just before they're about to turn a piece of clay into a, <laughs> an android uh, through spinning it very fast. That uh, is science. I mean, we've got a whole TV show of track right now, which is about how hard it is to create androids. Yeah, I know. I was, I was thinking that while I was watching and it. I was like, Psh. We can just take like the kids' clay pots upstairs. If, as long as we spin them really fast, <laughs> they'll make a copy. And I think you've got some Play-Doh upstairs, right? We're going to make another Harrison. They make another Kirk. Now, I was like, why is Kirk saying, you know, whatever his line was, but he calls Spock a half-breed? Mm. And I was like, that is weird. Why is he saying that? Because I wasn't sure if that was real Kirk at that point then. It made me question which Kirk I was looking mm. at. And I realised then, we found out later, because he says that line to Spock when he's on the ship posing as Kirk to find out a place to send this scientist to so he can start repopulating a planet with, uh, with androids. We find out that Spock hears that line. He's like, all oh, right, okay. Spock immediately distrusts him. Then when, when Kirk realizes Spock has been down, he's like, Spock must have got a message. And I was like, oh, damn. Kirk was saying all that as he was getting changed. So he'd plant it into the, mm. into the android. Kirk would never say that to Spock. No, he'd never say that. But interesting, though, is that, you know, that is the line, the name that Michael Burnham called Spock when they were both children that damaged their relationship. And it was the thing that Burnham felt she needed to apologise for. If you remember, actually, it's why Amanda, Spock's mum, kind of disowned Michael at one point in season two mm. of Discovery, or calling him a half-breed. And I would like to think now, in that moment when Spock was called that by Kirk, that he was thinking about Michael. Mm. I and, could kind of see it. 
And at the end, you know when Spock calls Kirk up on this, saying it was a bit you know, juvenile or whatever, he says to, to use half-breed, and Kirk is like, you know, I needed to think of something to get your attention. I like to headcan it now and think that Kirk is actually, he's so close to Spock that Spock has told Kirk about Michael. Maybe uh, not that he was a relative, but about the experience. And so Kirk knew that half-breed would, you know, get that Spock's ears up, so to speak. <laughs> Oh, that was a good one. So the big twist of the episode is beyond Nurse Chapel having to pick whether she's going to side with Starfleet or with her fiancé, is that the fiancé, the scientist, was an android. And you called it. I called it really early on. I had a feeling. But you pointed out when Kirk had the rope around him to escape that he was like struggling for breath. Now, I guess that was just instinctive. But then he was trying to keep it from Nurse Chapel that he was an android. Mm. So maybe all that was for show. Maybe. Because then we found out later on his hand... Just by chance, because Kirk didn't know he was an android. It was just he got his hand yeah. caught in the door and it peeled back the skin. And It was a happy accident. And eventually he realises that Andrea does love him, even though she didn't think she was capable of it. And so he kills them both. This is after he's already killed the other dude. Because Kirk, we missed this bit, Kirk managed to figure out really that the machines that the original species had made probably actually took over from them and killed mm. the thing. And then he got that android to confirm that. And he's like, well, now look what's happened. It's not me who's the enemy. Your leader now has bought us here. You know, we've and we're contaminating your culture again. And that turned him against mm. the scientist. Roger, was it? Roger. Roger. Roger that. Because we were making a joke about him and that Andrea chick. Yeah. And we were like, I bet he's rogered her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Kirk managed to just corrupt these, I guess you could say these innocent androids. But the, the moment Kirk interfered in their like process and tried to introduce elements that would make them more human because you know roger was saying that these people these could replace humans in the grand Mm. scheme so the moment kirk introduced human feelings of love and of hate i guess in the other in that alien Mm. android oh yeah uh, he was mad yeah they went mad and ended up in their death and they started killing each other so kirk kind of i guess was trying to say that no android can be human in those stories or completely android because yeah they can't function without those feelings but they you can't be like a human, can't function but not with. a human. So what do we think of this episode then, Kate? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah? Yeah, it was quite good. I mean, once again, it's one of those things where the idea was great, but the execution was a bit meh. Like, there were a lot of, like, smell of fart acting moments yeah. and, you know, some inappropriate behaviour towards females. But unless you have that, it's just not TOS. True, that is part of TOS's charm. If we have, charm. we have to look at it that way now, otherwise we, we just get sad. Otherwise I can't watch it. Do you have any favourite parts of this episode? I don't think so. Um, I mean, the whole thing was the whole thing was fine. I did like how Roger was... He really believed in himself and he was trying to, in mm. all of his things with Kirk, trying to get him to understand why it was a good idea and, you know, immortality. I like the bits where, you know, they're trying to get Christine to choose where oh. her loyalties lie. And she didn't know that she was talking to Android Kirk. That was obvious to me. Yeah. From the very second. And when they put food in front of him, I was like, he's not going to eat that because he's an android. Also because it looks like children's play blocks (laughs) that are wet. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't let Harrison really sit there and watch that bit because he'd be wanting to eat his own Lego blocks and stuff. (laughs) But I did think that scene, actually, the way Kirk was behaving was a little off. You think he'd be a bit angry about the whole situation. But I thought Kirk was being Kirk. But the fact he was allowed in there would have made you think, hang on, I need to check if this is a real Kirk because surely they're just going to send me this copy. What do you think of Nurse Chapel? She's very nice. The original number one? Yeah, she's really nice. She's very beautiful and she's got a very pleasant voice. As I pointed out to you, she was Roxana Troy in a TNG episode we recently watched. Wouldn't have recognised her. Would you not recognise her at all? No. 
It's incredible how she aged. As in she didn't. Yeah. She's an incredibly good looking woman in TOS. Hashtag fountain of youth. Fountain of youth. Where is it? <laughs> I think I need some of that. Hand it over. Yeah, lockdown's really uh, oh. taking its toll. You get some fountain of youth storylines in Trek as time goes on as well. There's a whole film about it, in fact. I've seen it. Yeah, I think I've shown it to you before. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll be more interested this time around. Maybe you, maybe you will be. I think yeah. I fell asleep twice. Yeah, you won't go to bed halfway through it the first few mm. this time. Okay, so this is a thumbs up or a thumbs down TOS for you after the disaster of Mud's Women. It's definitely better than that. Yes. Um, I think I think we're on a thumbs up. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, I'm not holding them up, waving them around or anything. But <laughs> not doing a little thumb dance. No. But you enjoyed it. That's good. That's good. Because TOS is a show you've been enjoying. Mm-hmm. Hosted by Katie Harbin and myself, Kyle West, her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast, is produced by nerdsince86.com and is part of the holosuitemedia.com podcast network. If you would like extra content from us, including early access to her first Trek episodes, our Patreon-exclusive Her First Trek After Show, where we rank the episodes we've discussed each show, early access to Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast episodes, and much, much more, you can become a valued supporter of our show by signing up to our Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash nerdsince86 for more details. To keep up to date on all the news and updates from Her First Trek, be sure to follow at Her First Trek on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. To join the holosuitemedia.com community discussion group, simply type the Nexus, Holosuite Media's listeners community, into the Facebook search bar. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek Review Podcast. And then there was a kind of cringy moment where he was um, talking about giving himself umoks. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, come on. Yeah, no, I know. And <laughs> he's like, oh, maybe I'm going to get too many umaks. And Lita's like, ooh, who's the lucky lady? Because they've established throughout the series and that it's, it's like very much like a sexual act, right? Yes, most definitely. He goes, sadly, I've been giving myself the Umax. And then her reaction is just like, like cringe face. Yeah. And then that's it. It's just kind of dropped. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Expanse, an Enterprise podcast. Which so, one now? So... It's only a paper moon. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. You know, Deep Space Nine has a lot of them. has a lot of great episodes. Mm-hmm. When I watched their documentary, the one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, they were set on a space station. They were, they were stationary, and they had to, in some ways, in their storytelling, talk about the journey inside the, inside the heart, the journey inside, as yeah. opposed to the journey outside. And I thought, I'm, I can't remember who said that in the documentary. Uh, that really resonated. Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Yes. Well, of course it was Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> the literal every man of Star Trek. Of course it was Jeffrey Combs. Yes. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.